and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ebert Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're doing a deep dive in due diligence. So <laughs> Andrew is helping out a friend at the moment purchase a property and has been going through the due diligence phase with her. Now, in this instance, she'd been looking at an apartment which was at Anzac Ave in Auckland, which is a fabulous location. One of the main streets that's, you know, five minutes from Britomart. And we've been going through the documents. And what we wanted to do is just talk you through what we're looking at. So once you're looking at a property, how do you figure out whether it's worth purchasing or not? Now, in this case, it was for an owner-occupier. This person was going to live in it. But it's still the same process of going through the docs, having a look, seeing if there's anything that you should be aware of. So, Andrew, talk to us about what documents you've got in front of you and your process for going through them, what you're looking for. So, for me, when going through due diligence, a lot of it comes down to kind of gut feel and you've got to actually kind of dig into the details. The documents are going to be pretty scary because there's not going to be anything good in there. If there was something good in there, they would have used it as part of their marketing ploy to get you to go and see the property. But actually, in this instance, so my friend contacted me and said, hey, I'm looking at this property. What do you think? And the numbers were great, which you'd think that automatically that would be, okay, we'll go put this property under contract now. Now, not for a seasoned cynic like myself, instantly I went, where's the catch? There's got to be some catch here. And actually the price had been reduced. Originally it was, I think, about 660 for what was advertised as a one-bedroom apartment with an extra bedroom, which isn't a two-bedroom apartment? Well, now that I've been to it, I know what that means, and I'll explain that later, but the price had got reduced just the week before to five nine nine, which for a one bedroom apartment in a pretty good location in Auckland, that's cheap. And decent size too, sixty square meters in this instance. And in the complex there's only sixteen apartments, so a relatively small apartment complex, which would be more desirable in my mind. If you're looking for capital growth, which you know, my friend Boss is gonna be an owner occupier, you know, it's somewhat of an investment because it's her first entry into the property market. So anyway, the documents that you get um, from a real estate agent or you should get from a real estate agent is firstly a disclosure statement from a professional body. So that's called a pre-disclosure document often. And this is prepared and it just gives you a summary of all the things you need to know about the complex and the body corporate. In this case, there were three copies of the AGM minutes. So so the last three years, AGM minutes. From from, the body corporate. From the body corporate. The title, the detail of the rates. And in this instance, there was a long-term maintenance plan. Now, the reason for this is the property was about 100 years old or something like that. And so because of that, I think it was 1920s, it was 100 years old. And so there was some concern in the AGM minutes talking about this long-term maintenance fund. Let me set the scene a little bit. So I read through these AGM meeting minutes and actually had a look at kind of what was in there. And and so what you'd expect to find in here is kind of just general business. So comments about, you know, if there'd been any burglaries in units or, or whether or not there was just some common maintenance stuff that needed to be done. And here, the thing that stood out to me most was this need for the budget around the long term maintenance fund. Now, because it was an older building, they've bought in an expert and there wasn't money in the kitty, I suppose, for long-term maintenance. And now that the building is reasonably old, there was a need to get some serious repairs done. Now, in this instance, and the long-term maintenance fund's really interesting to read, so they go through and they actually build a schedule with when they expect some of these major expenses to be, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and who needs to put aside money over the next few years for this. Now, in an apartment block of 16, I think from memory, there were about three or four of them that had sold within the last 12 months, which 
again, seems quite high to me. So then I thought, well, maybe people are actually a little bit concerned now that they're getting these AGM minutes and going, holy hell, there's going to be some significant increases to our body corporate levies over the next few years. And just to detail what those are, it's going to be a total of an extra $43,000 over that 15-year period. And that is on top of the body corporate $5,000 a year which is pretty significant so it's going to be an extra $2,880 per property per year on average but there are some years where that's higher there are some years where that's quite a bit lower so I think the first year was only an extra couple of hundred dollars then it went up to an extra 5k in addition that you'd have to pay so it might be a 10k worth of body corporate if it was 5k anyway which in this instance for someone who's a first home buyer and you know on a, on a limited budget because first home buyers are you probably don't want an extra 150 dollars a week going out which could then go to 200 dollars a week Now, let's talk about some of the other stuff that I found a little bit unusual. So I actually went to see this property and I met what I thought was the agent. So there was a guy standing outside and I said, hi, I'm Andrew. I was set up to meet you here. Are you the agent? He goes, "Uh, yep, kind of. And I was like, okay, just what do you mean? And he's like, well, I'm not an agent. And I was like, okay, so who are you? And he said, I work for the owner of the property and told me the company's name. I I won't mention the company's name. And I said, okay, so what's your role in this? He said, well, I sell the properties. I said, but you're not an agent. Now, I know, since I own a real estate firm, that you can't actually be involved in the negotiation of real estate unless you're a real estate agent. There's a whole lot of compliance that goes with that. So one of the things is you have to disclose a whole bunch of information, which made me quite nervous for my friend because potentially she's buying something off someone who isn't disclosing everything that they ought to. But what if it's a private sale? Yes, but he's not the owner. He's representing the owner, so therefore he is an agent. So it was kind of like he was conducting the real estate service as if he was a real estate agent, but not a real estate agent. At this stage, he was looking quite sheepish, and I said, that's okay, I'm not from the REA, let's go and see the property. So go up to the property. One of the things that we found out in doing a bit of due diligence is the property was only purchased a few months ago. And it was purchased for, I think, about $560,000 or thereabouts. And they were selling it for more because there were renovations being done. Now, I've seen some bad renovations, but this one was pretty average. The paintwork on it was as if I'd done it. it was, I was about was, to say if, you, if we did it. <laughs> it was pretty rough, which to be fair, the guy acknowledged. But what they'd done is there was a sort of a cordoned off area of the lounge, which they'd turned into. They'd put a bed in there, but it really was not a bedroom. And it was advertised as having a separate spare room set up, but it was this, you know, you'd put it in there, but that was about all you'd do. It was a single bed that they put in there, was But you kind of just walked in and it's just tucked around the corner and with the light facing the main road, just, it was not a bedroom. The other thing is that because it was an older building, it had single glazing. So it would be quite noisy because it's on the main road. Even if you were to put a child in there or something like that, it's not ideal in the slightest. The few warning signs for me, I guess, were the body corporate was absolutely going to go up and it was really expensive to begin with. The fact that it was being represented by an agent who wasn't an agent, and that's what was happening, and it was just kind of a bit rough around the edges. I think that this could open more of a can of worms than be a good investment in the future. So my advice to my friend was don't buy that one, find something else. Now, just in terms of that long-term maintenance plan, there are two things I want to mention. First, what their long-term maintenance plan actually went over. And what this person had done, and it came from a company called Solutions and Engineering, and they figured out that 
over a 15-year period, if no additional body corp levies were put on, so if they didn't raise the rates that apartment owners were paying, then the body corporate would be 540k in the red because there are all these things that they've got to pay, but they didn't have the money for it. And it's quite interesting what those were allocated towards because there is, as Andrew said, a full breakdown. Now, there are lots of different costs, but the two main ones were these. First of all, painting. There was a significant amount of money that was put towards painting the exterior of the building. So the current cost, what they wanted to do straight away, cost 60 grand. And then they wanted to do that again in year four, that's going to be an extra 67 grand. And then they wanted to do that eight years later again, which would be another 88 grand. So significant amounts of money being put towards painting it. Now, why is that important? Not just to make it look nice, but specifically with these older buildings, the paint protects what's behind the paint. So the actual building itself, so it doesn't have rain hitting it. And perhaps you get to ward off some of that erosion because you've got a new layer of paint. And in fact, the engineering company in this instance had said, look, the paint's actually going to last longer than this, but you want to repaint it more regularly to preserve the building itself. So there was a lot of money that hadn't been allocated towards this. The other main cost was around lift maintenance. And we've always said that this is one of the biggest costs that you need to account for when you uh, investigate an apartment. So for instance, at the time that this report was done, there was 10K allocated towards the refurbishment of the interiors of the lifts. There was also an extra 30K that where the lift motors needed a complete overhaul. So this is what takes the lift up and down. So actually, let me tell you about this lift. So when we went in, and obviously I interrogated this guy on whether or not he had any right or ability to be giving real estate advice, we then got into the world's smallest lift. So there we are, the three of us, we were seriously crammed in there like sardines. It was so tight. And this rickety thing went creaking up to the fourth floor or wherever it was. I actually said I'd take the stairs on the way back down. I said that we, the Property Academy podcast must go on. I can't go fully <laughs> to the basement. And despite the fact that that was so rickety, again, it would need in another 12 years after the initial repairs an extra 60-odd K of maintenance again. So that's where it was going and this was not allocated for. Other thing that I wanted to note from the documents is that there was what's called an extraordinary general meeting. That's when you need to have a meeting of all of the body corporate outside of the annual meeting that you would have that set. Then that's because there were cracks in the back of the building a couple of years ago that needed to be repaired at the time. And I believe there was money set aside for it. I don't believe there was an extra levy that the apartment owners had to pay to fix that or it may have been covered by insurance. But I suppose this is another kind of red flag that would just suggest that this building may require additional maintenance in the future. And if that's not covered by insurance or by money that's already been set aside by the body corporate, then that's where the apartment owners, the current apartment owners would have to pay for these. Now, this would be a completely different issue if this had been accounted for for many years prior yes. and that there was a sinking fund in place. So that a sinking fund, by the way, is where you would have been accounting for this. Maybe there's two or $300,000 saved up in the body corporate accounts so that when large amounts of maintenance need to be conducted, the apartment owners aren't having to fork out money that they weren't expecting to in order to bring the building back up to code or back up to a reasonable standard. Now, Andrew, what else did you notice as well? So the final thing I guess I noticed, so the 
agent brought along the sale and purchase agreement and did mention to my friend that uh, you know there was another person interested and a couple of people sniffing around that are going to make offers today. All that usual agent speak that you take with a grain of salt, particularly when they're not an agent. And just looking through the sale and purchase agreement, so they've put a price in there for her, which is very helpful. They haven't put any conditions in there. So again, this person was buying essentially privately, but through someone that kind of was semi-representing themselves as an agent, which would make me really nervous that maybe they're not, you know, disclosing things. Now they're not telling her what further terms of sale to put in. It's got, you know, 10% deposit paid once it goes unconditional and then the balance at settlement 10 days after the contract going unconditional. The conditions... They've gotten here the finance able to be circled and all that kind of stuff, but nothing about kind of due diligence or solicitor's approval. So again, this just presents itself a whole can of worms. And if she'd gone ahead and signed this contract and sent it off to a lawyer who then said, actually, there's quite a bit of stuff here that I don't know that you should be entering into this contract, it'd be too late at that stage. Now, the key thing to note is that when you're going through due diligence, as Andrew said at the start, you're going to find things. There are going to be things that raise a flag, raise a question for you that you want to interrogate a little bit further. Now, the key thing is to figure out, well, how far are you willing to accept some amount of that discomfort, some amount of those questions that you need to ask? Because you're not going to find anything good in due diligence. You're going to find things that you want to ask questions about. And I suppose the key thing is in this specific case, there were enough red flags to just say, actually, it's probably not worth pursuing this any further. Let's go look at some other opportunities. And each of you listening to the show will be your own best judge of how far you're willing to accept or how far you're willing to interrogate and say, actually, I'm comfortable with that. That's okay. But it's just what we wanted to do here is give you an example of something that for certainly you and your friend in this case, Andrew, it was a bit too far. You've got to go look at something else. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, And subscribe to the Property Academy podcast really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you've got a topic that you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a text. Our number is 5522. Whip out your phone, send us a message. Would be great to hear from you. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. I'm going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 